This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, January 18th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, it's week three of 2023 and episode two of our 14th season. And before I bring in today's guest, Mark Jameson, I'd like to thank Rafiq Farouk for adding some international flavor to our menu here last week. Rafiq is a loyal listener who over time has been in touch with me on LinkedIn and felt that he could contribute to the podcast as well as listen. Well, he certainly did that with an abundance of style. And I thank you again, my friend. This week, I'm teeing up a conversation with a member of my franchise fam as I speak with Mark Jameson, Chief Development Officer at Propelled Brands, the franchisors of Fast Signs, nerds to go and My Salon Suites. Plus, in service to the IFA, Mark also co-founded and co-chairs the IFA Pride Council under the umbrella of the Diversity Institute, along with another member of the franchise fam, Paul Pickett. So, what do you say we take a quick break right here, and when I return, I'll be joined by Mark Jameson. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Franchisors of restaurants, bars, and grills, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. If you're looking to engage guests, elevate profits, and enhance your customer experience, Atmosphere TV is the answer. What's Atmosphere, you ask? Atmosphere is the world's number one streaming TV service for businesses, here to help you make more and save big on overpriced cable packages. Atmosphere provides you with a free programming option, bringing more than 60 ultra-engaging audio-optional channels designed to please customers and increase their average ticket. So, how does it work? Well, it's easy. Upon sign-on, Atmosphere sends you a free device loaded with over 60 channels of eye-grabbing entertainment. From news and sports to viral videos and fuzzy animals, every channel is family-friendly and designed to keep your customers happy and engaged. Plus, Thanks to Atmosphere's 100% audio-optional format, the programming is perfect for any setting, no matter how loud or busy. Atmosphere isn't limited to restaurants or bars either. Any business with a TV screen can benefit from better entertainment. So stop playing and paying overpriced cable. Go with free TV instead. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto shops, anyone with TV in their waiting rooms can jump on this amazing offer. Just go to atmosphere.tv forward slash sign up and use the code FRANCHISE and Atmosphere will waive the usual one-time $99 activation fee for your free-to-stream device. Visit Atmosphere online at atmosphere.tv and remember, use the code FRANCHISE to waive your one-time activation fee. Visit atmosphere.tv to elevate your franchise's entertainment experience today. Mark Jameson is a franchise and retail executive with broad experience in all aspects of franchising, including management, marketing, merchandising, sales and development, real estate, supply chain, operations, 
franchise law, technology, and intellectual property. As you will discover in this interview, some of the best opportunities he's ever encountered encountered in his storied career have begun with the word no. Well, how's that worked out for him? Pretty well, if you ask me. Today, he heads franchise development for Propelled Brands, franchisors of Fast Signs, Nerds to Go, and My Salon Suites. With more than a thousand franchise units across the brands, I guess Mark knows a thing or two about franchise development and relationships. Mark Jameson, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. Appreciate you including me, and nice to hear your voice, as always. Well, and the same here. You know, I always think about all the people that I've interviewed on my podcast. This is the 14th season of Franchise Today, and then I marvel at how I can have a 1,007 mutual connections with you, which makes you a very significant person in my world, and that we have not done this sooner is almost impossible for me to fathom, but here we are. Well, thank you for that, and I've learned so much from you over the years. I really appreciate being in Included and uh, excited to be a part of it with you today. So if you've learned so much from me over all the years, what are you doing as Chief Development Officer working with Catherine Monson every day at Propelled Brands instead of me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a secret I'm going to keep to myself. (laughs) I guess you should. I guess you should. That's the secret I'm going to keep all to myself because it's a prized place to be uh, working with uh, an amazing CEO, former chair of the IFA, and for what is a, a great company we're building. Well, in a great company you've been building for a great many years, and we're going to unpack 13 all... years last November. Can you believe wow. that? I've Hearts been here 13 years. We're going to unpack all of that today, Mark, but we're going to start the way I always do. We've got to go back and ask you to tell us when it was and how it was that franchising kind of bumped into you. Yeah, it is sort of an interesting story. You know, for many years, I was a banker in Connecticut where I grew up, had a great job. I was assistant vice president of operations for a regional DeNova bank. It started as we grew it, we grew through acquisition, uh, was in a great place, really, really enjoyed it. And if you've ever been in banking, when the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation or FDIC, as everybody knows, it takes over the bank, you know, things are not good. And one day I was in my office and the guys with briefcases came in and we knew things weren't going well. We had some challenges with lending. It was at a time when credit markets and real estate markets were changing. And this was the late 80s. I guess, dating myself there, Stan. And uh, I lost my job and uh, was devastated. And at that time, because of the economy, nobody was looking for middle management bankers. And like everybody else, I had to start over. And so the Coffee Beanery, which a franchise icon, which we all know, Joanne and Julia Shaw, were opening a company store uh, near my home in Connecticut. And I actually took a job as a store manager. So I went from being an assistant VP at a bank to a store manager for a coffee shop. It would completely turn my career. And I thought, as so often you do, I'm going to do this until something better comes along. And I went to Michigan for training where they were headquartered. And I met some of the people. And I still had this very much the mindset that this is just going to tide me over. And one day, their chief operating officer called and said, hey, I'd love you to come to Michigan and meet with us. Didn't know a lot about franchising. I'm not sure I knew anything about franchising other than what everybody knows. And that's McDonald's, which was my first job, ironically out of high school. I was 16 years old flipping burgers and the franchisee showed me how to do that. And that was kind of cool, but didn't know it was a whole industry. And they recognized that I had a bigger background than what I was doing. And they offered me a business consultant role, uh, which I took for about eight months. And then my boss at Coffee Beanery decided to retire 
And even though there were people who had been in the company much longer, she said, hey, I think you should talk to this guy. And they flew me to Michigan again and offered me what was the director of franchise stores role, uh, which was my boss overseeing the business consultants that oversaw support to the business, to the franchisees. And it became a whole career for me. I didn't know I was going into franchising. I thought I was going into the coffee business, which I had grown to love. And uh, I've never looked back. I've never went back. I've loved franchising ever since. I was very lucky to have Joanne and Julia Shaw, who have been around this business as many years as many of us. And really was one of, she was one of the, I think was maybe the first female chair of the IFA way back. So it was it was a great place to learn. And the franchising bug, I guess you could say, bit me. But I never imagined that my career would lead me to franchising. I just fully expected I'd go back into banking someday. I enjoyed banking. But franchising was so fascinating to me that to work with people who are not necessarily entrepreneurs, I know sometimes people call franchisees entrepreneurs, but that want to have their dreams realized and to watch them do that and to realize their life dreams and their family dreams to me was just a bug I never got never got out of my system. How many units were they at that point in time? You know, it strikes me as we were just shy of 200. My role continued to grow. When I left that company, I was vice president of operations and had responsibility for both franchise units, which was somewhere shy of 200. And we had about 30 company-owned units that I also, also oversaw. And uh, I grew my career. I was there. I think I was there from like 93 to 97 and really, really enjoyed it. And it was a great ride. And to this day, I still consider Joanne and Julius and appreciate what they did to get me into an industry that, frankly, I didn't even know existed. So they had to teach you how to support their franchises. And you were basically a student as well as assisting and coaching others while you were learning what franchising is all at the same time is what it sounds like. Yeah, I ran an amazing store for them. It was a new company store. I did well. I I exceeded their expectations, I think. And ironically, what happened kind of in the middle of this is they actually franchised that store. And for a short period of time, I worked for that franchisee, but I knew it was what I wanted to do. And when the business consultant role came up, I applied for that, did that for a short period of time, and then I grew my career from there. But yeah, they had to teach me. I didn't know anything about franchising. Like I said, the only expectation I had was meeting the franchisee at the McDonald's when I was 16 flipping burgers, but I don't know that I knew what he meant, right? And I had to learn that and how to support. And I learned from a number of people, both in that company that came through the doors there and met some amazing people. In fact, two or three of my team here and some of the team that used to work for me here that in Propelled actually have been with me since those days, or we worked together way back then. And now I'm really dating myself. So it's been a great ride. And Joanne, as you know, was very involved with the International Franchise Association. And so So I've been going to IFA since, I don't know, 95, 96, and learned so much by IFA and all the people I met over the years from IFA. And I don't know that I knew I was going into franchising. I don't know that I knew what franchising was. I was going to work in this coffee business that I thought was kind of nifty. And it really turned out to be a a career I never would have imagined, as it is for so many, as you pointed out. Well, another parallel here between us is my wife worked in the mortgage banking business, so she was in 
loan servicing for a banking company down in Florida when we met, which you talk about FDIC. She was first involved in the strife in her organization that was being managed by the FSLIC. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then the FSLIC and then the RTC and then the FDIC. So that industry had its woes long before we ever got into subprime and all that. It was the culmination of a great many mismanagement debacles, I think, for many, many years, probably many more scandals yeah, than either of us want to know about. Right, exactly. And I know our bank story was a fascinating one. Uh, we had a board of directors that just kind of got themselves in trouble. It was a small bank. But, it, you know, as I look back on it now, I learned a lot there. But it was a big turn for my career that I never imagined would turn into my career. So walk us up from the coffee beanery to what was next? Was it Wicks and Sticks? It was Wicks and Sticks. You know, it's interesting. I was recruited there from Kenzer, a recruiting firm, and they had uh, they were in Houston at the time, and I flew down. I met the then president, Deborah Sondak, who I just enjoyed and loved, and they offered me their VP of operations role. And honestly, and it's funny, and it's kind of, a, the story's happened twice. Maybe, maybe I'm the problem. I turned that job down. I, I said, you know, I don't love the model. I don't love the brand. I don't like the stores. I don't like what I see. Uh, I'm going to stick it out. And Deborah was very convincing, as was the recruiter, and said, look, they're making a change. They're owned by, at that time, a small kind of family office, and they're going to buy other brands. And, you know, this could be a great opportunity for you. And they're going to retool the Wicks and Sticks brand, not knowing what would happen in the future, obviously. And I took the job. I moved to Houston, loved Houston. It was the first big city I ever lived in. Realized at that point I'd never go back to the cold if I could have avoid it. And I grew my career at Wicks and Sticks to eventually become uh, executive VP. So the quick short story is that when I got there, Deborah is the one that convinced me. Hopefully she doesn't hear this, but I think she knows this. And two weeks before I started, she had resigned to focus on her family. She had just had a baby and she decided she wanted to be a full-time mother. And I was devastated because I honestly took the job for her right. in many ways, as you often do in your career. And they had put somebody in as president. And unfortunately, he had no franchising experience. They just kind of picked somebody that was there. And he eventually left after a short period of time. And they asked me to, to lead the team as executive vice president. And so I led all aspects of the company. But it was not a company that was growing. It had been through bankruptcies. I always say that that experience, it was a very difficult franchise. They had a not only a, an advisory council, but they had an owner's group, which I'm sure, you know, many of people in this uh, listening have had to deal with. And it was very onerous. It was a, it was a, it was just never a good situation. And as I moved my career, and even to this day, I would say, Stan, that I look back at that experience and truly, truly believe that sometimes you learn the best things from what were the worst experiences, right? I learned a lot there. I enjoyed it, but I also learned, boy, there's a lot of things in franchising. You better take care of your franchisees. You better mm -hmm. communicate to them. And they had not done a great job with that. The bankruptcy didn't help and they'd been through a bunch of other issues. So I, uh, yeah, so I grew my career there and then I was very worried about the company because I was in the role and we were laying people off on a pretty regular basis. It was obvious to me that my salary was becoming a bigger part of the P&L and that was not going to be a good long-term strategy. Right. And so I left and was recruited ironically back into the coffee business, non-franchise. So I left franchising for a little bit and I moved to Philadelphia and worked for a company called 
called Bucks County Coffee because I still had coffee in my blood. I had met the founder of that company when I was working for Joanne. And I was there a very short period of time. And I was recruited to an amazing company back in franchising because I realized how much I loved it called CCA Global Partners, headquartered in St. Louis. Not a lot of people know it, but they're one of the largest. Oh, that's the Florham. That's right. Yeah. right. Yep. 13 different brands, uh, three franchise brands, and the rest are either affiliate or co-ops. And so I moved to St. Louis and I was there for seven years as vice president of franchise sales. So it was kind of a different role for me because I had been really in an operational role. Wix wasn't selling franchises, but I did oversee it. And they liked my background and I loved the company. They were a company with a lot of resources. At the time, I think there were $10 billion in sales and 13 brands. And Wasn't Evan Hackle involved with them at yeah, some point? Yeah, Evan was president of Carpet One when I was there, which was not a franchise brand, but was a cooperative brand. But ran, Evan really did a lot to make it more like a franchise in a co-op. And so I knew Evan there and I stayed there for seven years and loved it. I had responsibility for new locations across three brands. I was what they called brand ambassador, essentially a brand president for a startup, Magnus Anderson floor refinishing. So I, that's where I really got multi-brand experience. And I enjoyed what I did. I wasn't necessarily looking. I shouldn't say this, but I didn't necessarily love St. Louis. Again, I was, I determined I didn't like cold weather. And uh, one day I got a call from Catherine Monson. She had had a role here in Dallas for Fast Signs as vice president of franchise sales. And I flew down here, spent the day with them and kind of back to Mark saying, this isn't what I want to do. I decided I didn't really think I wanted the job. And I was driving to Kansas City. My partner and I had planned a long weekend in New York City and I was picking him up in Kansas City. And on the way there, I told him I had a call with Catherine and I was going to officially pass on the job. And Catherine, being who she is, recognized that the job probably wasn't big enough for where I was coming from and what I was doing. And she said, I think this is there's a bigger job here for you. And I want to bring you in as senior VP and I want you to take on both sales and openings and I eventually see you growing maybe into some other aspects of the company. And you know, you're hear those things you never knew, but she laid out an amazing vision, which we'll get to all of which has come true. And so the long story short is I took the job, not expecting to, and I get to Kansas City and my partner's like, how did your call go? And I'm like, I'm moving to Dallas. <laughs> but you seem to have a trend going here of every career enhancement started with, I don't want this job. It's you're a hundred percent right. You know, it goes back to something my dad taught me a long time ago. And he always said, even when I came to fast, I was like, I don't know, dad, I'm not a big Dallas. I don't know how I feel about Dallas. I loved Houston and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, look, if you don't ever listen or be open to the opportunity, then things are going to pass you up that you're just not even going to know. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, he's right. I got nothing to lose to go on a plane and spend a day together. And, and it was truly to this day, 13 years later, it was the best move of my career. Not only have I learned immensely from Catherine, but we've been thrown into this world of private equity, which is where franchising is today, as you know. And that's been an amazing learning experience. I've been through now three transactions. That's an amazing learning experience. We're now multi-brand, which was a vision that Catherine laid out uh, and we continue to, to grow together in. And um, so it turned out to be a yet another amazing life experience that I almost passed on, Stan. <laughs> For me means yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break right here. 
And when we come back, we're going to talk about propelled brands and how what started for you as a great career with Catherine at Fast Signs now includes Nerds to Go, My Salon Suites, and Salon Plaza. And we're talking today with Mark Jamison, Chief Development and Support Officer for Propelled Brands. And we'll be right back after a quick timeout. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group. But this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at Zorforum.com. That's www.Zorforum.com. And the conversation continues with Mark Jamison, Chief Development Officer. I kind of added a little to your title there, Mark, but I know at one point in time you did both support and sales. That's I right. guess that was before all the other companies rolled in, I guess. Correct. So today you're sitting on top of a universe of how many people that are direct reports to you? So I oversee kind of three key areas of the company. Obviously, our development team, which is the sale of franchises for all three brands under Propelled Brands, and that team is about six people. Then we have a development services team, which opens, finds the sites, identify the sites, builds them out, kind of what we call lead delights on, uh, on the Fast Signs Nerds to Go team, as well as our resale. And then we have another area I manage, which is our books of business. And that's about another six people. And then I inherited the construction team for, and the opening team for My Salon Suite. We did 54 in 2022. There I'm overseeing somewhere north of $100 million worth of construction. And so I managed that team, which is about another six people. So all in all, probably close to 20 people and very involved. I'm on the company's executive team. So I also get very involved with the rest of the executive team members and Catherine on future acquisitions as we continue to want to grow propelled brands to, to uh, add uh, hopefully more brands in the future. And let's not get away from each other today without dialing some conversation in regarding your service and your work with IFA, which I would guess Working with someone like Catherine Monson would probably be a requirement to have your job. It reminds me of my days back at Blimpy when Chuck Linus was an executive VP, and he was on the board of directors of the New York Restaurant Association, but he was also on the board of the IFA. And he's really what got me involved with IFA. He told me I would have to do my 40 requisite hours per week minimum in service to the brand and in the role I was there as National Franchise Development Director, but I would have to pledge 40 hours a month additionally in service to the IFA. And that was his 
his mandate, literally. He was dead serious. And I didn't even know what the IFA was back then. But I would think that working for Catherine, pretty similar story, right? You're going to do what you need to do for the company, but there's this other organization you're going to serve as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's ever been a mandate per sure, but I've always been one that's, as I mentioned, when I work with Joanne, I got involved with IFA very early on, probably more from the outside looking in. CCA, surprisingly, was not all that engaged with uh, IFA. I tried to bring some of that there when I was there. When I came here, it was obviously uh, a big part of who we are and who Catherine was. This is well before she became chair. She'd been on the board for years. So I got my certified franchise executive. I'm on the international committee. I've spoken at numerous conferences, very involved in the emerging brand program that uh, Ron Feldman and team put on. So I enjoy it. So, and certainly Catherine is, is a huge advocate of it and us all getting involved. I make it sort of a requirement for my sales team that I expect they would have a CFE and probably most of the other people on my team, because I believe if you're in franchise sales, the CFE insignia is important because it takes you through all of the things you need to know about franchising. And so I think especially on the friend dev side, it's important. When I oversaw operations for Fast Signs and most of the team on that side, I wouldn't say it was a requirement, but we certainly very much encourage it. For Fast Signs before now propelled brands, we probably send probably in the neighborhood of 15 or 20 people, both to learn and to contribute back. I'd say we all contribute in some way, shape, or form, be it on panels or committees or discussions. And so, yeah, it's, it is a definite part of our culture at Propelled Brands, and that clearly comes from Catherine. Well, I didn't know what IFA was, so for me, it felt like a mandate for about the first 20 minutes. And when I went to the first convention and experienced what IFA was all about, I started drinking the Kool-Aid by the case. You couldn't keep me away from yep. IFA. It's I, probably wound up, probably I mean, wound I've up. made, like you, uh, and I would put you on that list, I've made lifelong friends for my participation in it too. And that's not why you get into it. But boy, it's a huge benefit that you don't even think about, right? You know, I like an IFA too. I liken it to a role reversal once a year. We go to convention and all of us as franchisor executives, we flip gears, we switch hats, we become more like franchisees. And IFA is the mothership, the franchisor. And it's the only way that I can make sense for people coming for the first time who don't understand the dynamics of direct competitors sitting in the same room, sharing things with each other. Where else do you see that happen? And you have to help them understand that it's kind of like IFA is the franchise at IFA conventions. We're all drinking from the well and learning from each other and promoting and protecting the brand franchise. It's a great analogy. I never thought of it that way, but uh, you're dead on. That's a great analogy. So one of the roles that you're playing these days, you've joined us on the Diversity Institute, right? Yep. Very excited. Uh, Paul Pickett, a good friend of mine, and I created and started what was the Pride Council. I think we both felt like that was a niche that was not covered uh, with IFA, and we felt like it would be great to be even broader and inclusive. You know, I grew up, never imagined being in a place, and it's one thing I, I have to give credit to Catherine is throughout my career, I wasn't really out, even though I suspect people knew. And when I took the job in Dallas, I decided that, you know what, I have a longtime partner. We've been together for, at that point, probably, I don't know, it wasn't that long time, three or four years now, we've been together 15 years. And I was like, I'm just going to be comfortable with who I am and I don't care. And Catherine was obviously very welcoming of it, embracing of it. She knew about my partner before I joined the company. And I had just decided that in my next career, I wasn't going to hide behind it anymore. I was going to be comfortable with it. And I remember Paul and I talking about how great it was to work for companies that embraced us for who we were and and others. And uh, and we 
not that IFA didn't, but I didn't feel like IFA had really addressed it, right? There was a council for most other infinity groups, but not necessarily for LGBTQ folks. And that kind of started for us to say, let's kind of create this pride council. Susan Beal was an amazing advocate and really helped us kind of navigate it through IFA, as did a number of people. Uh, Everybody there has been supportive of it. And we launched it during the fly-in in September of 19, which of course, COVID didn't help us make much progress for a little bit there. But we had a great reception and we launched it and we had amazing support from most of the board members of IFA. We had a couple of Congress people come by. It's just been an amazing experience to see how everybody embraced something. And, you know, I look at the generation behind me and I want to sound like an old man, but growing up, knowing that I was gay was one of the most difficult things I've ever been through in my life. I get emotional thinking about it because I never imagined that I would be in a place where I'd be comfortable having a partner, introducing him. He comes to conventions. We plan our executive team dinners around his schedule because he doesn't live in Dallas. And it's just so wonderful to be able to talk about him because it's an important part of my life. And, And I think Paul and I both thought, we all could be in that place. And the IFA has been amazing. You've been a huge advocate of it on the Diversity Institute. So many have, and it's been really rewarding for us to see how that grows. We had to take a little bit of a time off because of COVID and we're now fired up again and doing webinars and engaging a broader audience at it. And it's exciting. It really is. You know, truth be known, I never knew you were gay. I had no idea. I had no idea Paul Pickett was gay. I just didn't know. And people, I see different things than those things, than labels when Paul and I think that's one of the things hardest about being gay is you know you put yourself in our shoes I don't know who else is gay right and that's why we're like we need to form something here because we know there are others but we don't know who they are it's not like you're walking around with a sign on your head (laughs) right well and that's the other thing about diversity institute it's always been weird for me is is that I've been involved in the work of minorities and franchising since 1997 it was the mandate I told you about when Chuck Lenas put me in doing service 40 hours a month to IFA he told me you're going to take a seat on the minorities and franchising committee. And I said, really, where exactly do I fit in that? And, <laughs> and he told me, he said, look, Limpy is Hoboken, New Jersey, born and bred. Our restaurants are mostly in inner cities across the country. And we want to be properly represented in serving the communities that are the backbone of our existence. And so that's where I want to do the work you're going to do. Well, you've been you've been ahead of the curve uh, well <laughs> before many people, even though you aren't in that group in many ways, right? I think that's so impressive, Stan. When I got my Ron Harrison award in 2011 and I finished my speech, Paul Pickett just came to the stage with his arms waving at me and tears in his eyes and gave me this huge hug. And I guess some of what I said moved him, but it was being talked about openly, right? And so I love the work that our institute is doing now and the umbrella that we're under reminds me a lot of the portfolio companies with so many brands that are under them now. But under the Diversity Institute, we've got the Black Leadership Council, we've got the Latino Council, we've got the Pride Council and more to come. And so it feels to me more now like we are finally pushing rocks down instead of up hills. I couldn't agree more. And I'm amazed at how many people have reached out to Paul and I, just like people have reached out to you to say thank you. And I'm like, there's nothing to thank us for. We just want to have a forum where everybody can be comfortable and can talk. But it is very rewarding. And I've been so happy to see how many people have embraced it that aren't part of that community. You know, we all need friends of, right? Like you're a friend of, I guess you could say. And despite the fact that we're in a world, unfortunately, today where people can't seem to talk about politics much, I love the fact that 
franchisees and others who I never would have imagined have really embraced and had franchisees that I was good friends with who I never told, right? I didn't, they didn't ask. I didn't tell. If somebody asked, I said I would tell, but I certainly wasn't going to walk around with a flag. And they said, hey, you know, we know you have somebody who's really important in your life. We've heard it from other franchisees. We're kind of surprised you hadn't shared it with us. And like I'm even talking about now, I get emotional. And I'm like, wow, they care, right? It's, you know, and they're like, well, of course we do. I never imagined growing up that I would be in a place where I could be so open and so happy. It's, it's not who I am. It doesn't define me, but it is my life. And I want to talk about my partner and my life with my partner, as does anybody want to talk about their spouse, right? Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm glad that the IFA is providing that platform and that vehicle to embrace meeting people where they are is what I've always said we have to do in franchising, whether you're recruiting them. In fact, it's ironic. Paul and I have had a discussion many times about why he didn't think texting was so important in franchise development. And I said, Paul, it doesn't matter what you think and it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is you have to meet people where they are. And that yes. method of communication has really risen up. Yep. So I think that this is just like that. It's meet people where they are. I love and, that. I've never heard that, but I love that. That's a great, great way to say it. Meet people and, where and, they are. And then you, you have to embrace people for who they are, where they are. And if you're inviting them into your brand, well, you better be inviting people in who can feel inclusive, no matter whether it's who of LGBTQ or color or whatever it might be. So, Well, and, and to your point, it's our customers, it's our employees, it's our franchisees, it's all of those things. And the opposite of inclusion is a horrible place to be, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I was very lucky after I got involved with it with Pride Council, you know, I suggested to Catherine that I'm like, boy, we really need to, even though we embrace it at Fast Signs, I think it would be great if we did it. And she was very open and we now have formed and uh, I guess it was a September of 20, September, August of 20, we informed a diversity and inclusion council at Fast Signs, which has been amazing. And we've got franchisees from every walk and every group. Uh, we're holding a, a panel uh, at this upcoming convention we have for us in the next couple of weeks. And that's been exciting to see as well, how many people have come up and uh, of every walk of life and say, I want to be a part of that. I love what you're doing. I love that you're acknowledging it. My employees like it. Diversity, inclusion, equity, all that is good for everybody. And, the, and well, it shouldn't exclude anybody, right? Listen, franchising is a business that's all about interdependency. And it's about how collectively we can do things that none of us can f accomplish individually to the same degree. So yep, I, think, yep. I think all this kind of, it folds right into all of that. Yep, I agree. I agree. And two, you know, I've also been a proponent of the fact that no matter what your secret sauce might be for your brand, that your culture is every bit as much of what people are buying into and, and embracing when they come and become a franchisee of your brand. And so the cultural aspect of the business is something you can't ignore or you can't hide or you can't pretend it's there if it's not. So it's another reason that Catherine is the CEO that she is because the environment that she has built embraces people from race, creed, religion, and age. Well, maybe not age. She's not ever offered me a job and God only knows how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you I'm pretty old, Stan, so <laughs> I can speak to the age aspect of it. You know, it's pretty scary. I, I remember Catherine talking about this some years ago. It's like, I remember growing my career and I'd look at the old man in the corner office and think, oh, uh, someday. And, and then now, two years later, I'm looking at myself, two years ago, I'm looking at myself going, oh my God, I'm the old man in the corner <laughs> office. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> 
Well, Mark, we have quickly, quickly eaten up a bunch of time, but I can't tell you how much fun this has been, but I'm not going to let you go without asking you my toughest question of every interview that I do. Ready? Yes. Mark, what haven't I asked you today that you wished I might have? Well, I think the only thing is uh, always happy to talk about our brands, right? We talked a little bit about it, but I'm excited what we're building at Propelled Brands. We're a B2B platform company. As I think you mentioned, we have three brands, Fast Signs, which is the powerhouse that started it all, 750 locations in September 2020, we acquired nerds to go which is an emerging IT brand, which we're growing quickly. And then in July of 21, we acquired Suite Management Franchising, which has my salon suites and salon plaza. And so we're now over a thousand locations, which I never imagined when I joined this company, continuing to grow. And we're seeking other brands in that space. And I'm proud of what we do. I'm proud of what we're building here. We have an amazing team. And I appreciate you taking some time to let us talk about me and talk about our brands and franchising and all the great things. So I don't think there's anything else that you left out. But of course, I'm always going to try and do a little bit of a plug and who we are and what we do. Well, let's plug that a little further then and tell people how they can find you when they want to talk about any of this offline and in more detail. Absolutely. That's awesome. I appreciate it. My email is mark.jameson, J-A-M-E-S-O-N, like the whiskey, at propelled, P-R-O-P-E-L-L-E-D brands.com. They can find me on LinkedIn as well. And my office line is 214-346-5679. Always happy to have conversations with anybody that A, is interested, or if I can help in any way between the Pride Council and some of the work we do in IFA and all that. Always happy to make myself available because as you said, it's a big tent in franchising and we're all where we are because somebody helped us get here, whether it was a lot of somebodies or a few somebodies. And I certainly have a lot of people to thank for where I am and where I'm continuing to grow, including people like you, Stan. I really mean that. Well, I mean it right back. It's always been a pleasure seeing you. I'd walk into any conference or expo and and see your face and it always put a smile on mine. So happy, happy, happy to finally have you on here and let's do us both a favor and stay in close touch. I appreciate that, Stan. Thank you. Uh, you are uh, really an icon in this industry, and I'm pleased to be a part of this, and thank you for including me. Checks in the mail. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Jameson, Chief Development Officer for Propelled Brands. Thank you so much for being here today. Stan, thank you. Well, that's a wrap for today. Next week, I'm back with Scott Zide, CEO at Empower Brands. But until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.